Well, here it is, the last of our first cluster drop for the multi-part series Chris is doing on Joseph. Thanks for spending your time with us. I'm Emily Danielson, and it is time for part four of the series, Joseph, God Meant It for Good. Now, after I listened to part four, I got in the car to drive home, and I turned to Chris, and I told him that this was the most timely message I have ever heard. And when I say my husband has given messages that impact people who have heard it, I can easily point to this one, no doubt. The message is entitled, The Lord Was With Joseph. You will be blessed by this one. A quick reminder, Bible Idiots is now the podcast platform for the teaching ministry of my husband, Mr. Bible Idiot, Chris Danielson, and we will return with the Chris and Emily show under a new banner in the near future. But the Bible Idiots brand is for now exclusively for deeper outreach and teachings. But for this spring, these four parts of the Joseph series is what we can provide you to encourage you in your walk with Christ. We will be back with parts five through eight in late April and maybe a special message or two between then. Again, thanks for being a fellow Bible idiot with us. If you have a Bible or device nearby, open it up. Genesis chapter 39 verses one through six. And may the Lord bless you as you listen. It is with the promises of God that we come to worship again today. This is part four of what I call the Joseph series. And today the title is The Lord Was With Joseph. And once again, we got a little bit longer uh, scripture read. And we're going to be in two different chapters. And uh, we're going to be in Genesis 37, the end of it, and then Genesis 39, we're skipping 38. But if you'd stand for the reading of God's word. Let's start with Genesis 37, verse 36. It says, Meanwhile, the Midianites sold Joseph in Egypt to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh and the captain of the guards. After his brothers sold him, they came and then they basically flipped the house in this case. They just resold Joseph to Potiphar. Now, chapter 38 of Genesis, Joseph isn't mentioned at all. It's all about Judah, and it's, in my opinion, it's an incredible chapter that shows how God's going to use flawed people for his purposes, including the line of David, which is the line of the Messiah. But we move on to chapter 39, verse 1. It says, Now Joseph had been taken to Egypt, an Egyptian named Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh and the captain of the guards, brought him from the Ishmaelites who had brought him there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man serving in the household of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made everything he did successful, Joseph found favor with his master and became his personal attendant. Potiphar also put him in charge of his household and placed all that he owned under his authority. From the time that he put him in charge of his household and of all that he owned, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house because of Joseph. The Lord's blessing was on all that he owned in his house and in his fields. He left all that he owned under Joseph's authority. He did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Now Joseph was well-built and handsome. Let's pray. Lord, let these be your words to your children now. Strengthen this body collective. 
for your purposes and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Be seated, please. So when we left Joseph in our last message, he had been betrayed by his own brothers and sold as a slave. Joseph had been sold to some merchants for less than 150 bucks in our economy parallel. They sold him for less than the price of a junker hoopty automobile. The Ishmaelites then took Joseph to Egypt and they put him up for sale in that land. They were opportunists. They saw what was going on here. They knew they could make a buck. You just had to come with them for a little while. So try to put yourself in Joseph's shoes for a moment as we get ready to launch into this message today. You're 17 years old. You're the favored son in a family of 12 sons, which was fairly wealthy for the time. Your father has chosen you to be the head of the family and had given you a beautiful role to, uh, robe to symbolize the fact you are on the path to power, influence, and prominence in your family, in your tribe, and in the greater community that you have grown up in. Then in one moment, everything is gone. It's all gone. You're stripped of your coat, which by the way, the coat was his inheritance. If you missed last Sunday, it's, it's uh, up on the website. Go check it out. It really explains his birthright. It's his future. So now you're Joseph. You're betrayed by the people who should have loved you. You're separated from your father. You're sold and carried off into a strange land. I can't even imagine the lies Satan is now whispering in Joseph's ear as he's held captive, being taken off into Egypt. I try to picture what it must have been like for Joseph when he got to Egypt. And when you study the ancient culture and you realize where he was and the, you know, with the flocks in the fields and, and the tribe that was Jacob that became Israel, and now he's going to Egypt, he, he would have probably passed by the pyramids. They were standing then. He would have probably saw the Sphinx. I mean, he would have seen Egypt spread out on the plains of, of Giza in a way that would have been a culture shock to this young man from the country. And the whole time, he held on to his faith in Yahweh. Yahweh was with him every step of the way. But on the surface, it seemed the circumstances couldn't have been worse. Oh my gosh, this is just terrible for young Joseph. But the God who gave him the dreams in the first place was working behind the scenes the whole time. And everything would be fulfilled in God's time. I mean, just think about it. Let's just start to look at a few of the things that had to happen. He was sold to Potiphar. That was a pretty good deal. Potiphar was the captain of the guard. He's, his position was like he was the chief executioner for Pharaoh. He was like uh, Pharaoh's secret service agent. He protected the big guy. And by virtue of his position, he would have been in contact with many of the dignitaries and other political officials in Egypt. What do you think that did for Joseph? Think about it now. It's a real possibility, without any biblical fact, but a real possibility in common sense thinking that Joseph would have been introduced to many influential people that would later serve him. Just because he was sold to Potiphar. See, God set everything up just like it needed to be, so Joseph arrived exactly where he needed to be at the exact moment he needed to be there. Joseph might have been a slave, but he was safe in the arms of divine providence. 
He might have been separated from his earthly father, but his heavenly father was with him before he was sent to a strange Egypt. So what strange Egypt are we facing today? Mine will be different from yours. And yours will be different from your neighbor. But when we face these strange Egypts in our life, we know we have a heavenly father who's given us promises that we can hold on to. You see, God has control. Look at how much control the Lord had by taking the actions of all these people into account to still work out his will. Stay with me now. Don't, lose, don't let me lose you here. Joseph's brothers, the Ishmaelite traders, and Potiphar are doing what? They're all serving their own selfish interests, aren't they? Brothers wanted to rid Joseph in his dreams. The Ishmaelites were out for a quick turn of a prophet. Potiphar was just looking for a good deal on a servant. What they could not see was, hear me now, they were all unwittingly accomplishing the purposes of a sovereign God. Write that on your heart today. Even if people all around us are dealing with their own selfish interests, those of us who have set ourselves apart to be one with the Savior, we have transferred our trust. He's our God. We're living for Him. Oh, sure, we might bumble and stumble from time to time, but we come back daily in keeping with repentance. We pick up our cross and we follow him. It doesn't matter. All of those things are still working behind the scenes with a sovereign God. Next week, Romans 8, 28 is coming at you. But I just can't tell you in, in words how big of a comfort it is to me that God can use lost people to accomplish his purpose. And if you know Jesus, you're not lost. You might have been broken once, but let's get rid of that. I'm just a broken vessel. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for me. True, but then what? Then you got your heart of stone replaced with a spiritual heart. Jesus called it being born again. You're plucked off the salvage pile and he's making something of you. That doesn't mean you go back and try to live your life from the salvage pile, which is what so many common modern-day Christians are trying to do to just justify themselves continuing to live in sin and not have to change. Because Christianity is not behavior modification. It's a complete transferring of trust and changing of our mind and our hearts. And God starts working all of that out. Isn't it a blessing to know that all the events are part of God's plan for our life? You know, and I've talked about this before, and it's not in my notes, but I'm wound up now, so... <laughs> God has a wonderful plan for your life is a lie. God has a wonderful plan to use your surrendered life for his glory, and it may not look like what you want it to look like, and it may hurt, but it'll be for his glory. So many times there's been evangelists out there, God's got a wonderful plan for your life. You just come to Jesus, and you'll just be better in everything. And you know what? You go home, and it's like, it's not better. Life shows up, having a bad day. Life shows up and says, so you're having a bad day? Yeah, I'm having a bad day. I'm going to make it worse. Oh, it'll be fun. It'll be funny. Come on. And you know what? It doesn't matter when you serve Jesus because you know it's all coming back to the sovereignty of God. He's working it all out. No one could see the trouble surrounding young Joseph's life. And that verse 
all that trouble, there's a verse that stands out. It's verse 2 of our text today. And the Bible says, and the Lord was with Joseph. I want us to learn a great truth today throughout this message. That God is always with his people and will see them through their trials. For what? To accomplish his plan in their lives. To use them to point a lost world to himself and in the end, always, always, always for his glory. God's glory is what's on the table every day in the life of an authentic believer. And it just might mean you got to take it on the chin a couple times because that's what God has chosen for you. But I want my best life now. I want every day to be a Friday. Then throw your Bible away and live that lie. But if you want the truth of God's word, it means that sometimes things don't look like what they're supposed to. But that doesn't mean God has left us. He's still working behind the scenes. If his glory is your intention, because when it is, the pressure's off. Peace that passes all understanding. Joy in the middle of circumstances that you don't even, I don't know why I'm happy. I'm sore, I'm broke, I'm hurt. My wife's mad at me, but the Lord loves me. No, it's just, it's a thing. You guys know what I'm talking about. See, I want to join Joseph throughout the rest of this message in the early days of his slavery, and I want you to see that the Lord was with him. And what does that mean for us? What the Lord did for Joseph, he'll also do for you and I in his own way. He's consistent. From Genesis to Revelation, there's so much we can learn from this. And there's so many times we can take stuff out of, out of context to try to make our lives here more important than what they really are. While we were sinners, Christ loved us for his glory. He saves us for his glory. We get the benefit of being in the presence of his glory, not our own. So let's get, it, let's get into it. Point number one. Let me share with you the ways God blessed our guy, our, our guy Joseph. Point number one, God protected him. God protected him. I, I stated a moment ago that it all seemed to have fallen apart for Joseph. But if you stop and examine the facts of the journey so far, we're only four parts in to a 16-part series, it becomes clear that Joseph was in the hand of divine providence. Too many coincidences happened, Right? Let's consider what he faced. It just happened to fall into place for him. Consider the intervention of, Je of Reuben in verses, in verses 21 and 22 of chapter 37. Reuben's going to try to inter intervene. While all the brothers had decided they're going to kill him. Then Judah's idea was, hey, let's sell him for, as a slave. What about just by happenstance, the appearance of the Ishmaelite traders, which happened to be coming along just as Reuben was gone? Because he was going to come back and save him, right? The events of Joseph's life seems to be out of control, but they were actually being controlled by God. You see, Joseph was being protected by the Lord. Notice how God protected him. It was by God's presence. In verse 2 of our text today, he was protected from a bitter spirit. There's no hint that Joseph was angry about his difficulties. He surrendered even to his hardships. And I can tell you, just from my own past experience of hanging out with myself for 56 and a half years, that I might have got to where Joseph got, but there would have been words said before I got there. There's no hint of that in Joseph. No hint. 
God's providence. The dreams God gave Joseph in, earlier in, our, in, in Genesis were not off track. They were being fulfilled in God's time and in God's way. And that's really the, that's really the rub, isn't it? It's not our time. It's not our way. So many times God's shown up to do things in my own life where it's like, God, I wish you would have done it differently. Fine, we're here now, but the joy's gone because we had to wait five years for it or whatever the case might be. You know what I'm saying? I'm sure those dreams sustained Joseph through the dark days of his life because he believed and trusted God. There's two themes for 2022. Number one, we're going to put God first. Number two, do you believe that what you believe is really real? And if you do, it'll sustain you, the promises of God. See, you and I have the same protections Joseph enjoyed. Let's look at them. I've got two, two scriptures for you, Hebrews 13 and Matthew 28. Let's start with Hebrews 13, 5. We have his presence it says, keep your life free from the love of money. Be satisfied with what you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you or abandon you. That's pretty big doings right there. Let's go to Matthew 28, 20, after the Great Commission. Teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. He is always with us, even to the end of the age. You can try to put some disclaimers on that, but that is true for those of us who have surrendered. There was a nun back in the 60s who was terrified to fly. She was just terrified to fly. She just wouldn't fly. She'd take trains. She'd take Greyhound buses. And a pastor was with her, and he said, well, don't you, don't you know that the Bible says that, and remember, I am with you always, even to the end of the age? And she said, no, pastor. My translation says, and lo, I will be with you always <laughs> to the end of the age. <laughs> it's all about interpretation. <laughs> we have his help to deal with our past, our problems, and our pain, not in our way, but in his way. And it always is better. You can come to it right away. You can be stubborn for a little while. You can be stubborn for a long while. But when you come to him and you do things his way, it's better. Let's go to Ephesians 4, 29 through 32. No foul language should come from your mouth, only what is good for building someone up in need so that it gives grace to those who hear. Verse 30. And don't grieve God's Holy Spirit. You were sealed by him for the day of redemption. 31, let all bitterness, anger, and wrath, shouting and slander be removed from you along with all malice. And verse 32, and be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as God also forgave you in Christ. When you really understand how much you've been forgiven in Christ, and you see it, and you feel it, it makes forgiving others who don't deserve it, but forgiving them anyway, possible. We do not have to become bitter, angry, or unforgiving. We can display a sweet spirit even during the most trying times with our Lord's help. And I want to see us be cons more consistent in that. 
Because as American Christians in 2022, we're, we're a spoiled lot. I hate, to be on, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but that's the truth. I'm spoiled, you're spoiled, we're all spoiled. Well, define spoiled before I get up and walk out. Right there. That defines spoiled. No, we are. And because of that, we, we wobble, we, we waffle. And we need more consistency. We need to grow and be sanctified. And we can't do it by ourselves. That's what a collective group of believers known as the bride of Christ who gather together biblically is. That's what, give, that's, that's what helps us. We have, we have God's promise that all things work together for good, Romans 8, 28. A lot of what happens in life does not make sense, but it does not change the fact that God is in control and everything that happens to us is part of God's plan. That verse, we're going to break it down more next week, but it's for those who love God. It's not for everybody. It's just for those who love God. He works all things out, right? For good. Who's good? You're good? No. His good. His glory. Because you're surrendered to him, right? See, and don't forget, it's specifically about God's glory all the time, every day. And there are some people who are so spoiled and so selfish that that's an affront to them. Why should we be about God's glory? What about me? Well, that's because Christians now want to be their own gods. And I'm going to start teaching on that Wednesday night starting in the middle of March. Obedience to the Lord may lead us into an eye of a terrible storm. Your life might not get better. You might come to Jesus and everything that you had going on falls apart. It would be for his glory. You might come to Jesus and everything you touch turns to gold. If he really loves you and you really love him, then you will be able to handle that. I know a lot of people in my life, lots of them, that having fall you know, backwards into truckloads of cash would be the worst thing that could ever happen to them. It wouldn't be a blessing. It would probably kill them. See, when God can trust you in the little stuff, he can trust you in the big stuff, right? Isaiah 53.10, the prophecy of Jesus' future. You know, it proved true in Joseph's life, but look what Jesus was said. It said, yet the Lord was pleased to crush him severely. Oh, Lord, can, can that be my life verse? When you make him a guilt offering, he will see his seed, he will prolong his days. That's kind of talking about the resurrection. By his hand, the Lord's pleasure will be accomplished. See, I've told you before, God's purpose in our trials is not to harm us, but to develop us. We can trust him to protect us and grow us amidst our hardships in life. But remember, this is not about a comfort cruise. It's not. It's about a battleship. We don't fight against flesh and blood. We fight against the spirits and the powers of the air. That's what's going down. I'm your pastor, and I still lose sight of that from time to time. And I have to recenter myself. How do I do that? Through prayer, through daily getting up. Not, 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 not last Wednesday, and that's good enough all the way to today, Sunday, but no, daily, picking up my cross, in keeping with repentance, following him. See, we can trust him through these hardships, and that's easy to say, and it's harder to walk out. But let me share with you, 
it's always easier to walk it out when you have other people walking with you. I can tell you, you know, this might shock you, but I spent a lot of time getting sent to the principal's office when I was a, when I was a kid. No, I, I did. I know it's shocking. <laughs> but you know when it was the worst? It's when three or four of us were, were getting into it and I would get singled out. They all bailed and I'm just standing there. <laughs> and I had to go alone. But when me and three or four of my buddies all got detention or whatever it was, it was easier. It was better. Now, maybe that's a benign example. Maybe not the right one either, but it's better together, isn't it? Let's look at point two. God prospered him. God prospered him. When Joseph arrived in Egypt, he no longer had his coat of many colors. He may have lost his coat, but his character was much intact. You know, Joseph's coat didn't make him great. Joseph's greatness came from uh, the character of his heart, not the clothes on his back. And he started wearing the humble garments of a slave, but you know what? He still had that same character integrity, and it's all throughout the rest of the story as we go on for the next few months throughout this series. We ought to have that same testimony. We need to be people of character and integrity. Some people are different depending on when you meet them. You know, you see them at church, they're one person. You see them in town, they're totally different. I suggest that we need to be the same people regardless of where we go. And when Joseph arrived in Egypt, he could have taken a couple different paths. He could have adopted the new customs of the land. He could have abandoned his God, abandoned Jehovah, and embraced the polytheistic religion of Egypt. But Joseph stayed the course. And if that's an example to us, it's that we know what biblical Christianity is, authentic, surrendered biblical Christianity. And our world will take our Christianity and will twist it into something that it's not. But we will stay the course. Joseph made up his mind on how things would be in his life. He settled it. And it made no difference to Joseph whether he was in his father's house, in a pit, in the possession of slave traders, or in the house of Potiphar. Joseph had purposed in his heart he was always going to be a man of God, one of Jehovah's given, done. And he was going to live the right way. And that's what we see he did as we go forward. He was a man of integrity regardless of the situation. You and I like Joseph, need to establish some boundaries in our lives. We need to make up our minds about some things once and for all. Why? Listen now. We need to make up our minds once and for all because our current deranged culture demands this of us today. We would be blessed to make up our minds and settle some issues today. My issues might not be yours and yours might not be mine. But let the Spirit tell you what they are for you. See, we are told in verse 2 that Joseph was a prosperous man. Verse 3 tells us that the Lord made all that he did prosper in his hand. Some might look at Joseph's advancement in, in the home of Potiphar as just good luck. He just had a lot of good luck along the way. Yeah. Luck had nothing to do with it. Joseph's success, there's no such thing as luck. Luck is fairies, gnomes, leprechaun, and other mythical creatures. Not for the children of a living God. 
Some people understand this so much that there's no such thing as luck, that it's providence, that they can't call their pot luck a pot luck. <laughs> they, you know what they call it? A pot blessing. Join us on the first Sunday of the month for a pot blessing. Because we're so righteous, we can't say the word luck because we know luck doesn't really exist. <laughs> Thank you, Lifehouse, for not being like that. <laughs> Thank you for allowing me to wear flannel shirts every Sunday. I love it. Joseph prospered because God blessed him. And God could have blessed him without the prosperity as well. Some people get so caught up that prosperity is a sign of God's favor. Yes and no. There's a lot of signs of God's favor that doesn't look like prosperity the way we think about it in America. Joseph prospered because God saw in Joseph a man he could trust to do his will. You know, I, I want you to see here this. Joseph's in a bad situation, but he still lived a life that was blessed by the Lord. Here are two thoughts I don't want you to miss. Ready? Just because you're going through trials and problems does not mean that God is not blessing you. You might not see him moving in your life, but trust him and trust him in his time. He will manifest his presence, his glory, and his power. Number two, Joseph made the best of a terrible situation. He demonstrated the proper attitude in the midst of his trials. So should we. The secret to happiness and contentment in hard, hard times is how you respond with what is happening to you. 90% of living a joyful life is simply responding well to your trials. And the best way to respond well to your trials that I know is knowing that a sovereign God is working behind the scenes. And if I'm alive to give him glory, I don't have to worry about it. Then life is simply what you make it. And when you're making it for Jesus because you're living a surrendered life, it's just easy. The Bible says the yoke is easy and the burden is light. Now that's very easily said and it's very much different deal to walk out the words here, but the inescapable, but the authentic truth is inescapable. You can't miss it. It's right there. And then if you've ever been in the situation where you've lived it out some, whether it be a few days here, a few days there, or a couple months here, a couple months there, and then you start to wobble and you start to fade, you know that you can recenter yourself through what? Daily repentance. Come back to Jesus. You know, it's like the old preacher said, you know, uh, we get filled with the Holy Spirit, but the problem with humans is they leak. So you get refilled again. How often do you do that? You got to do that, what, monthly, daily, um, yearly? No, daily, daily. There's two examples I want to give you as we move towards conclusion today. The great preacher John Bunyan, he was thrown into prison in 17th century England for preaching the gospel without a license. He spent 12 years in jail because they, the court wanted him to promise he wouldn't preach and he could have gotten out. And he said, no, I'm, I'm going to keep preaching, so you just might as well keep me here. They kept him for 12 years. He could have been discouraged by that. I know I would have. I know I would have said, you mean in Dickinson County, if I go over there, could I preach? You know, and try to work out a deal. No, John Bunyan said, I'm going to preach the gospel and God will get me out when he gets me out. So he had a three-legged stool. He took one of the legs, made a flute out of it and started creating gospel songs, singing praises to Jesus every day. Then he wrote the book Pilgrim's Progress. 
Pilgrim's Progress is one of the most incredible uh, books in history. It's an allegory of the Christian life. And you know that only the Bible has sold more copies worldwide than Pilgrim's Progress in the history of the printing press? Interesting, isn't it? See, Bunyan could have given up, but he used his trials as a place to glorify his God. In turn, God blessed him. And sometimes that contentment with godliness, which is great gain, is a blessing regardless of what your circumstances say to the world. The biggest story I've ever heard in my life is Corrie Ten Boom. She was in the death camps operated by the Nazis. She was starved, beaten, threatened. She was forced to live with lice, fleas, and rats. She witnessed the death of her weaker, younger sister. She saw thousands of Jews and Jewish sympathizers leave the, her place of imprisonment through the smokestacks of the crematoriums. Surely she would not understand why she, along with others, were forced to endure such hardships and agony. I still can't get my mind around it. But Corey Ten Boom, inmate number 66730, determined in her heart that while she was there, she would be the best Christian she could be. And in barracks number 28, she started a clandestine Bible study. In fact, they tell the story about how she had the Bible clenched when she was going through the search, and divinely she was just passed right through, and she got that Bible inside. She eventually won her freedom, and many would have become embittered by that kind of experience. I'm pretty confident I would have been one who would have been pretty bitter coming out of that. But Corey Ten Boom was used by the Lord in a unbelievable fashion after World War II. She carried the message of Christ around the world to tens and thousands and learned the power and grace and forgiveness of God. She took her impossible situation and used it to glorify God. Let's go to point three and bring it home quickly. God promoted him. God then promoted Joseph. Potiphar saw that the hand of God was on Joseph. Potter saw everything that Joseph touched turn to gold. So Potiphar promoted him to be the overseer of everything in his household. It even says that all that Potiphar had to do now was just worry about what he ate every day. That was, that's kind of my dream job. <laughs> <laughs> Joseph was in control of everything that happened in the Potiphar's home in his business interests. You know Why? Because Potiphar knew that he could trust Joseph to do the right thing. Do you know why? Because Joseph served Potiphar as if he was serving the Lord. There's a lesson here for every person in this room. It means working with whatever industry we have, along with the integrity that we get from God, that we want to have a spine like steel and our faces set like flint, that we're going to be integrity for God's glory. Those two things work together. See, Joseph continues his rise to the top regardless of the situation in which he finds himself. He walks in integrity, seeking to glorify God, and it showed. It showed up. Even Potiphar, the pagan Egyptian, saw something different in Joseph. Joseph didn't have to blow his trumpet and tell Potiphar what a great believer he was. Potiphar saw for himself the influence of God in his life. The touch of God on his life opened the door for Joseph to share his faith with Potiphar. Same thing can be true of us. The lives we live can be so different from the world around us that it marks God's favor on us clearly for all to see. And God's favor does not necessarily mean material blessings. I've been fighting that lie my whole ministry 
And I know it's not here as prevalent in Abilene, Kansas as it is other parts of the country. But don't fall for the comparison trap of what others get versus what you have. And don't fall for the other trap that God's blessings is a pure material thing for you. Yes, that's part of God's favor. I'm not saying it's not, but God's favor is also on watching things go away so that he can use you better. Seen that too. If he can trust us with the tasks he assigns to us, he will entrust us with greater things down the road. That's where we have to start today. Every day, you got to go back. When I say pick up your cross daily and every day and keep him with repentance, what are we talking about? We're talking about going back and remembering the little things that you must do with integrity. Luke 16.10, final scripture of the day. Whoever is faithful in very little is also faithful in much. But whoever is unrighteous in very little is also unrighteous in much. When we serve the Lord with our industry and with our integrity, he will open up new avenues of service for us when we get to a place of usability. In conclusion, God used the sorrows of Joseph's life to shape him into the man that God desired that he would become. The trials Joseph faced and the trials you and I face are never easy. They do, however, teach us to depend on God. We should never seek to shun the trials of life. Sometimes when we try to shut out the trials, we're also shutting out the best God has for us in this life. Let me give you two things here. A.W. Tozer said this once. Listen to this. It is doubtful that God ever used anyone greatly without first hurting them deeply. Doesn't say not used. He said use them greatly. And then there's this poem, no idea who, who wrote it. Some guy named Anon. <laughs> That's short for anonymous if you didn't get the joke. <laughs> I walked a mile with pleasure, and she chattered all the way, but left me none the wiser for all she had to say. I walked a mile with sorrow, and ne'er a word said she, but oh, the things I learned from her when sorrow walked with me. We want to be used. Oh, we want to be used by God. But oh, we don't want the headaches and the heartaches to come along with it first. I'm just kind of bummed that many, 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 did I mention many times we cannot have one without the other? They seem to go hand in hand. So here's the final word of encouragement. No matter how hard the way of life becomes, you are saved. The same thing can be said about you that is said about Joseph. You ready? And the Lord was with him. And the Lord was with you. You do not face your trials alone. You do not walk alone. That's the one thing that Lifehouse Church is, will be, will continue to be, and we will do it together, is we will not walk alone. We will walk together. Every step you take, you are in the path. If you know Jesus as your Savior and you've transferred that trust and you are a surrendered, authentic Christian, 
You are on the path of divine providence, and God is in the business of protecting you, prospering you, and promoting you, not for your best life now, but for His glory. Amen. Thank you for spending your time with Mr. Bible Idiot, Chris Danielson. To learn more or to reach out to us, go to BibleIdiots.com. You can email us directly at Chris at BibMediaGroup.com, which is in the upper left-hand corner of the website. Another way to connect with us is our church app. Simply search Lifehouse Church Kansas in the App Store or Google Play Store. The Lifehouse app has an option to give to this outreach. Look for Bible Idiots under the giving module within the app. From all of us associated with the Bible Idiots brand, thanks for listening and please share this podcast with your world if the Lord leads you to do so. Many blessings. I'm Emily Danielson. May you get into the word of God today and go and serve your King.